Today we are here to talk about somatic investigation of somatic and germline variants by the different resources that Kyogen offers, Cosmic, HGMD, and utilizing the Kyogen knowledge base, Kyogen Clinical Insights Interpret Translational. So really, as Deb mentioned, the focus is not on necessarily generating variant information, but rather interpreting variant information today. So for today's agenda, again, really, we're going to go through the different mechanisms in which we can interpret variant information, utilizing the different software offerings and database offerings available through Kyogen. And so the first topic that we're going to review today is Kyogen Clinical Insights Interpret Translational. Um, for those of you who have potentially used Ingenuity Variant Analysis in the past, this is essentially the replacement software. So the goal of this software is unlike the other two topics for today, we're really here, we're formally starting with a set of variants through a VCF file. And what we're gonna talk about is, first of all, the content that we can use, the Kyogen knowledge base, how that powers the software to essentially allow us to prioritize and find uh, actionable variants of interest. So through today's example, we're actually going to look at the software. We're going to do a demonstration of how we can both upload and analyze the data and then interactively look through our results through the platform itself. So the second two topics for today's session will then really focus more on existing database information that you can harness uh, to do different downstream applications, whether again, that's a process of annotating variants or perhaps incorporating into a tool for discovery. So the one we're first gonna talk about is the Human Gene Mutation Database or HGMD. This really has a focus on germline data variant information, more so for inherited diseases. So uh, we're gonna talk about the content that's available there and how we can actually query that information through an online form. And then for the last section today, again, very similar to HGMD, we're gonna talk about COSMIC or the Catalog of Somatic Mutations here. There is kind of a complementary approach to looking at obviously somatic changes in cancer, more specifically as compared to the germline in HGMD. And again, we'll, we'll discuss how that content is curated within COSMIC as well as how you could potentially utilize that information downstream. So we'll end up with the summary. And again, we'll try to leave some time for a more formalized Q&A session at the end. So with that, let's go ahead and begin. And in the first topic that we're gonna talk about today is how we can utilize the Kyogen knowledge base through Kyogen Clinical Insights Interpret Translational, really to assess a question that might be common for a lot of you that are generating variant information from DNA-seq assays in particular. And that is, how do we make sense of all this data? So what we're looking at on the screen now represents a, a simple, opening up of a VCF file that I might have generated through targeted sequencing or exome sequencing or whole genome sequencing. We're looking at it in Excel. And so when we do so, we can see, first and foremost, there are lots of columns of information, right? Regarding the variant itself, positional information, annotation that might be added, uh, quality metrics, so on and so forth, the thing, different things related to the analytical pipeline. But when we talk about the scale of the data, Outside of targeted panels in particular, when we talk about whole genome or whole exome sequencing data, we can be dealing with anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of variants. And really, it's an untenable job to try to manually go through this content and find out what is important. And so ultimately, we would like to have a tool to be able to answer a couple of questions. What is the biological significance of these variants? What is known about these variants in the literature? How rare are these variants? 
And are these variants associated with genes or uh, pathways or diseases, I should say? Ultimately, answering these questions will help us determine what are the key variants that we identify, either within a sample or within a cohort of samples. And ultimately, through utilization of the college knowledge base, we have the ability to answer these questions. So when we talk about the Kaijin knowledge base, this is essentially a massive resource of efforts with regards to curation. This not only extends to what we're talking about today, uh, the Kaijin Clinical Insights Interpret and Kaijin Clinical Insights Interpret Translational more specifically, but also to other parts of Kaijin software offerings. Uh, again, many of you may be familiar with ingenuity pathway analysis. So that relies on a section of the Kaijin knowledge base as well. But really, when we generate this resource, essentially what we have is a whole team of MD and PhD level scientists going through various different types of content, whether they be publications, uh, databases of third-party information, actual data sets themselves, what have you. Um, and, and really the starting point of all this information is that it's a massive unstructured set of content, right? Within a publication, there might be key variant findings within the literature that are buried within uh, a mass of the entire paper itself. So really what we have focusing on through the curation efforts is have an ontology team go in and take all this information and organize it into a structured and consistent content. And along the way, have multiple quality control steps to make sure that the accuracy and the complete lit accuracy and completeness of the data is as thorough as possible. And ultimately with this information that then goes into the knowledge base and we can incorporate different types of information like patient phenotypes, disease mechanisms, cellular mechanisms, sequence mechanisms, so on and so forth. So again, this is kind of the underlying tool that's really gonna power everything that we look at today with Kaijin Clinical Insights Translational. And really here, um, again, you know, one of the main challenges is not so much working with some of the third-party database information, but rather going through the literature itself, right? There's a massive wealth of variant information across numerous different types of journals. Again, when we're looking at cancer explicitly or uh, other uh, inherited diseases. And so really it's the ability of having these expert curators, people who are MD or PhD level scientists who are subject matter experts in a given field to be able to go through this literature understand what are the key biological findings? What is the key variant information? What are the aspects of the patient surveyed in the study? Whether that be going through the text, the figures, the tables, the supplementary information in the publication, and really having a thorough understanding of the context of the specific variant information that's found within those studies. So with that understanding, what they're able to do is then, again, distill this information down to a standardized form that can ultimately be incorporated into our knowledge base. And so at the bottom here represents an example where, you know, we could go through a publication, there might be multiple pieces of information with regards to the gene, the alteration, clinical effects, drugs, patient level information, so on and so forth. And again, you know, the ability of a curator to go through and parse out this critical information and structure it in a way that can be incorporated into the knowledge base and then downstream interpreted by our users is very important. So in this example, we could utilize all the content found within a publication to very simply pull out a finding that mutant EGFR protein increases the resistance uh, to uh, drug treatment in EGFR exon 19 activating deletion positive 
EGFR 790 M positive non-small cell lung cancer previously treated with chemotherapy with EGFR tyrosine kinase inhibitors. So this understanding and the parsing out of this critical information from the publication is really made possible by these manual curation efforts. Now, in addition to the manual curation process itself, the knowledge base includes not only literature findings, but again, incorporation of third-party database information as well. In addition to that, for the variant content, there are prediction tools that are incorporated as well. And so if we look at kind of the massive wealth of information, over 20 million, million pieces of knowledge or findings, as we call them in the knowledge base, a subsection of those can be attributed to the publications through our curation process, different disease classes. And on the right-hand side of the screen, this represents the knowledge base as a whole, some of the different resources that we will have incorporated. So again, things that are databases that are commonly used like ClinMar, OMIM are found here. We also have prediction tools like CAD or Polyfen or SIFT. And then other resources that allow us to understand the frequency of variants in the population are allele frequency community information itself, thousand genomes, uh, genome AD, just to name a few. So with the knowledge base as a whole, we're continually curating information. So at the bottom here, you can see really the content that's found within the knowledge base is primarily updated on a quarterly basis. So our curation efforts directly into these weekly updates. And then again, as we incorporate third-party database information, that comes in more so on a quarterly basis as well. But overall, the amount of content that's stored here with regards to variant, again, whether it be publications, third-party database, or different prediction tools, or uh, variant repositories, they're all nicely incorporated into this unified standardized ontology. So what can we do with all of this information? And, and to kind of showcase the power of Kaijin Clinical Insights Interpret Translational and its utilization of the knowledge base, I chose a particular publication that kind of nicely gave, gives the opportunity to look at the tool in two primary contexts. Again, this publication is focusing on exome sequencing of a particular hereditary cancer, pheochromocytoma. Now, it might be the case, that, again, that you have targeted sequencing or whole genome sequencing that you're utilizing to generate your BCFs. And when we talk about the different types of analyses that you might do, this study is particularly nice because it gives us some context in which we could look at uh, a particular disease, right? In, in the context of this exome sequencing, we may have scenarios where we have tumor tissue and matched normal tissue from the same set of individuals. So we could do a tumor normal type analysis, or conversely, we might, let's say, have trio information. We might have the proband as well as the mother and the father. So the affected individual and how does that compare to the parents? And so really the nice aspect is regardless of the nature of the data you have, the software is flexible enough to accommodate either of those scenarios. So this is gonna be the example data, as I mentioned, that we're gonna look at. Again, to use IBA, essentially what we have done to this point is the data itself has been processed through an analytical pipeline where the FASTQ files from the exome sequencing data have been QC, they've been mapped, they've been run through a variant caller and perhaps even had some standardized filtering done on them already, maybe some filtering on quality metrics of the variant caller itself. 
But even in this scenario, again, we might be dealing with tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of variants per sample. So a massive amount of information to try to make sense of. So when we bring this data into Kaijin Clinical Insights Interpret Translational, essentially through a simple upload process and the setup of an analysis, the results that we can generate here represent essentially a table of prioritized variants of interest. So within this table, we will use different mechanisms to help prioritize what variants will be important. Um, here you can see we have this tabular format where basically we have a coloring scheme to denote uh, predictions with regards to actionability or uh, whether the variations are deleterious. We have a general table of annotations for each variant, information for the case and control samples, population frequencies, and an incorporation of other database information like HGMD. So this is kind of the baseline view in the software. As we'll see today, we have interactive filters that help us additionally parse through and drill down to key variants of interest. We have different ways to visualize the data. And importantly, when we discover a variant of interest, in fact, here we see this max mutation. And if I jump back a second to the paper, um, we were able to identify the key mutation within this publication as well. But let's say we want to focus in and understand more about this max mutation. Here is where we can utilize and pull out some of the information that's contained within the knowledge base. So from here, we could get a detailed breakdown of different types of information related to MAX, just general annotation, population frequencies, assessment, pathogenicity. We can look at the predicted impact through various tools, like again, CAD, PolyFen, and SIFT. Is it normal? Is it damaging? Is it deleterious? What have you? We can also pull up and get access to the literature that we have curated on this particular variant itself. And this is a very nice feature where we can actually drill down to the publications, find the reference, and again, jump in and look in more detail at that associated article. So all of this is done very simply through this tool, again, that's interactive and allows you to really harness the full spectrum of content in the knowledge base. If we were to think about kind of processing data like this independently, just using the different annotation tools and prediction tools, looking through the literature, right? This might represent uh, tens of hours or weeks of work to really get a full workup on that particular variant. Whereas within the software, uh, without a, maybe in a matter of minutes or a couple of hours, we can get down to the key variants within our data. So what I'd like to do at this point is to actually show you how the software works. And so what I am going to do is I'm going to open up a browser. And so we can actually access this tool through a web interface. When you log on to your Iogen account, you'll have access to a couple tools. Again, we'll look at some of these other databases, HGMD and Cosmic would be here as well if you have access. But again, for our focus today, we're going to be looking at Kyogen Clinical Insights. So I'm gonna click that link. That is going to take me to the software page. And when we look at the software, itself through the web portal, essentially there are a couple key areas to consider. So at the top left-hand side of the screen, essentially the interface will be broken down into very simply samples that we have uploaded, as well as analyses that we have run. So let me go ahead 
and quickly click to my sample list. Now, if I want to toggle back to analyses I've run, you can see it's the same button here. Just as a note for reference, if you ever want understanding on any of the detailed information of how the tool works, there is a nice access to the user guide here, which will bring you to a web-based guide, as well as the ability to contact us for any questions that you may have. But really, the starting point of the software is the sample list, especially if you're new to the software and have not yet run any analyses. And essentially, what we're going to be looking at here is very simply a list of all the variant information that I've uploaded for my particular samples. And again, tying back to today's example, what I've mentioned is the two contexts in which we could potentially analyze a study similar to this fetal chromosome study. So we might have a scenario where we're looking for somatic alterations where we have both for the same sample, tumor tissue and match normal. Or it could be the case that we would have data for the proband or the child, the affected individual and the parents as well. And so the first question is how do we upload this data? And it's a very simple process. What we're going to do is go to the top right-hand corner of the screen we're going to select upload sample. And from here, again, the key thing to understand is the type of files that we are looking at. Um, the software itself primarily focuses on VCF files. So you can have a VCF file itself. You can have essentially a compressed VCF file. But there are a couple of required areas that we're going to enter, the primary one being the sample name here. And so I could call this sample, for instance. Bio tumor one. I can also give a project a name if these samples are part of a similar project. In the case of, let's say, having matched tumor normal tissue, I can also assign a subject ID so I know both samples actually come from the same individual. And I have the ability to enter a description for that sample as well. But what I'm simply going to do here is go ahead, click the section for upload. And on my computer, let's say I have my VCF files locally, what I would simply do is either grab the zipped or unzipped file, select and open, and then very simply click Submit. And again, the key thing to remember here, there are a couple of restrictions available. Again, we need the VCF format, uh, version four or above, and typically your variant information should be processed in the context of um, maybe HG19 or HG38, so newer versions of the genome assembly. So once I have my sample selected, I can click Submit. That will upload the data. And uh, I won't go through this for every single sample, but essentially I would replicate this for each of my samples. And as you can see, as now I, let's say, upload a new sample, it will be populated in my list. Now, once I upload, VCF file, what I have the ability to do is very quickly just click on the file, the sample itself, I should say. What we will get on the right-hand side, once the sample is validated, that the VCF file is in working conditions, it'll be considered active. And we'll have our sample name, all our description information, the genome assembly version used as noted in the VCF, the number of variants in that sample, the file name itself, when it was created, who created it, so on and so forth. 
So just general descriptive information, you can edit this. And if you have other users within your organization that are part of the same group, you can actually share samples as well. So we would go through this upload process for whatever sample or cohort of samples we wanted. And really that's all we need to do to get going. So once this is done, we can then start off by, let's say using our first example where we have a simple tumor versus normal comparison. So we have match normal tissue for the same individual. What I would do in this context is now simply go to this option for create analysis. When that is selected, the primary decision that you would make at this point is what type of pipeline are you going to use to help prioritize the variance? We have, the, again, the two offerings, the hereditary or the somatic. And so in this case, because we are working with samples, uh, tumor samples, we have a tumor normal. I would choose the option for somatic here. Many of these other sections here are optional. We can give it a project name. Um, we can select if we have certain filter settings of interest, um, either that you generate or that are predefined. Set those here. I'll leave this as default. And then again, add a description if we want. I'll call this video demo TN. We can then either upload samples from this window or select our existing samples. And to select samples for the analysis, it's very simply a matter of clicking and dragging your samples over. So again, I have my case sample, the tumor, and then its first analysis, the normal sample itself as a control. So if we have multiple samples, again, we can drag over if we're doing more than just a single individual, but we have a cohort of individuals, we can drag over all the associated information in that way. So with this, once the samples are selected, what I would then do is continue on, have my analysis name. We can do different parameters to choose kind of how focused initially the analysis is. We can look for variants in exonic regions in particular. And so typically if you're doing exon or targeted sequencing, this for sure would make sense to do. We can look at the metrics in the BCF file, if the variant's confident or not. We can set a diagnosis for the affected case samples. So here, I'll put in my cancer of interest or whatever disease phenotype that I'm looking at. And then again, there are different optional pieces of information that we can add that all can be considered in the analysis. Again, for my example, it's relatively straightforward, so uh, I won't add on this additional information. But very simply, that's all we need to do for the setup. And when we're ready to submit, we simply click the submit button. And what will happen is the data itself will be pushed to, again, the Kaijin secure servers, we'll interact with the knowledge base, and we'll go through this process of annotating, filtering, and prioritizing variants. Now, once this analysis completes, again, where we will find the results is very simply to do the complement to the sample tab, which is the analysis list. And so here you can see in advance, I've run the examples of what we're gonna talk about today. So I've run the tumor normal, which we just showed a brief setup of, as well as a hereditary analysis. Now, once these are run, very simply to open up and review the results, 
we'll just click on the analysis name. And again, if we want details of the analysis, click on the bar itself and see it at the right. So let me go ahead and click on the name. This will open up the particular analysis. And how the software is structured is that we will essentially depict the results by showing primarily at the bottom here, a table of the identified variants. So in the first column, we'll have our gene. There's coloring and numbering information, which we'll talk about shortly. We have the alteration information, the predicted functional impact. If we're just doing samples here, kind of the, the frequency of the variant in the case and the control will look a little different if we have multiple samples within the case and control groups. CAD scores, somatic frequencies, general annotation information in this table. And as we click on a given variant in the table, what we will see is that we can actually load the different variant annotations specifically at the top. So here would represent a sample where if I clicked on the ABCA10, I have general information with regards to the primary transcript, the variant, the type of change, any known somatic frequency through cosmic, uh, population frequency through uh, genome AD, allele frequency, and the type of alteration it is, in this case, missense. Importantly, what we'll also have is a computed classification. In this case, this is a tier three a variant of uncertain significance. And ultimately, this information is essentially tied in to some of the coloring that we see. So for the coloring and the numbering itself, that's depicted on the genes, we can click on the info icon here to get information for the computed actionability. This would be utilized primarily for the somatic variants and the computed pathogenicity. This would be uh, typically used for the hereditary type analysis. Any evidence that contrasts, let's say the pathogenicity, um, that would be listed as well. So we also have information if you're interested in to see how we actually compute this pathogenicity. Um, we have a downloadable file there and you can read through that documentation. I won't go in detail today, but again, we're, we're utilizing classifications based on the ACGM, A, A, uh, M, sorry, <laughs> apologize. I get a little tongue-tied here, ACMG guidelines. All right. so. This is kind of the general information, but really the utility of the tool itself is through the interactive nature of this variance table. And there are two ways in which we can primarily interact with the software. The first one being the filtering settings. And so this is found in the upper left-hand side of the table. And there are numerous filters that we can apply, again, to help try to distill down from the total sets of variants to those variants that are most relevant for the data itself. So this filtering will ultimately influence the total number of variants listed here that are depicted in the results. And again, we'll have a table of all these variants passing the associated filters. So very simply, there are a, a short list of filters that are valuable for going through this process. We have filters with rel relation to competence. So this looks at read depth, genotype quality, allele fraction, uh, call quality itself. So looking at some of the metrics associated with the variant in a given sample itself to try to get a sense for 
are these variants relevant? Are they high quality? Are they accurate within our data? We can also look at regions that are essentially non highly variable in normal healthy genomes itself, right, to uh, remove perhaps any spurious changes that are random in nature. Outside of confidence, we can also filter directly on frequency using different database information. Here, essentially, we can set thresholds for known frequencies of variants in different resources, like the allele frequency community. It's a resource where users can submit data in anonymous fashion to get variant information. We can use Genome AD, Exact, 1,000 Genomes. And we can also choose to, again, exclude or include on these and incorporate known variants in things like PPSNP. Or if, let's say, a variant is present in a higher frequency, is it established as a pathogenic variant? We can still keep in more recurrent alterations in the file itself. In addition to this filter, there's one other very important filter that will reflect upon the nature of the variants themselves. This is the predicted deleterious. And with this, we can again choose to keep or exclude based on how we check these boxes. Those that uh, relate to the ACMG guidelines um, in terms of pathogenicity or in, again, databases we'll be talking about later, such as HGMD. We can use what we've established about the variant to see is it associated with some kind of gain of function and filter on those accordingly, or a certain class of loss of function. So again, if you have kind of a directed focus on the nature of the variants that you're trying to capture through this paneling, you can check and uncheck these boxes appropriately to, again, drill down to those that meet your criteria. Now, the other filter that we can apply is something called biological context. And in this case, what we can do is essentially look for genes that are known or predicted to affect or cause a gain or loss of function for a term that we search for here. This can be a given disease. So I could, let's say, begin to search for something like pheochromocytoma, or I could more generally in a term like cancer. So we have a rich ontology of different terms within the knowledge base. And again, you can search accordingly for your different phenotype or disease information through this to get a more directed set of variants that have some known association or are tied to genes that perhaps are interacting with those genes directly associated with the disease. So these represent some of the common filters, and if you want to either add or remove any filters, any existing filter, you can simply X out. As you modify these filters, I've shown by clicking the little pencil icon here, that will dynamically update the results in the table. I can use the arrows to reorder the filters in certain contexts this might be relevant. And again, I can add any additional filters, and the primary one that we have not added in this context would be the genetic analysis. So we can essentially utilize certain filters here to look for certain, let's say, types of patterns of variants, whether we're looking for de novo variants or if we're looking for, let's say, dominant or recessive types of inheritance patterns. We can set up these checkboxes to say, are we looking for hets or homozygotes in the case? where we want to, let's say, exclude hets in the control, what have you, we can set this up appropriately 
properly. So again, this will be somewhat dependent on the nature of the experiment that you are looking at for your variance samples. Now, the other aspect outside of this filtering panel on the left-hand side is that we have a number of different view settings on the right-hand side of the software. And from here, what we have the ability to do is essentially very simply toggle, close this, kind of how we pick the variants. Do we want a set of kind of general variants in a boxed view or perhaps a table view? We can choose the nature in which we want to sort the variants. So again, the key thing here is using our filtering that we've just talked about. We've reduced our data down from about 3,300 to 900 variants. Again, I could be more specific here, but how these variants are sorted can be controlled by either actionability or other criteria of interest. So in this case, uh, we could basically group all actionable variants based on their genes together in the list. We can group based on pathogenicity. Again, some of these will be tied more so to the uh, hereditary workflow. We can filter based on something like somatic frequency if that's of interest, or perhaps a prediction tool like the CAD score as well. So how damaging is that potential variant? So all of these different ways will essentially influence the ordering of the table itself. In conjunction with this, what we have the ability to do is then dynamically filter the list by additional criteria using these subsequent sections in this panel. And so I can use different interpretation types. I can use the actionability classifications. Again, here, a little info icon will give us details on what each category means. I can look at pathogenicity assessment. And again, as we go through this, what we'll see here is that the coloring, oops, sorry, down here, represents the nature of the variant with regards to pathogenicity. So MAX and PRSS1, these represent uh, pathogenetic assi uh, pathogenic assignments, whereas perhaps the light pink here represent uncertain significance variants. As we look at the numbers to the upper left-hand side of the gene, these represent, again, the nature of the actionability. And we can see here, for example, that something like ABCC1 is in clinical trials. We can look at the predicted origin. Is it likely somatic, likely germline, the relevant variants? And again, these filters will somewhat be dependent on how we choose to sort the data and what type of data we're looking at. More specifically, are we looking at a scenario where we're looking at somatic analysis like we are now or hereditary analysis? So both the panel on the left, the filter settings, and the view settings on the right give you a mechanism to essentially organize how you would like your samples both filtered and prioritized in the resulting report that we see, or table that we see here. Now, for any variant of interest, again, what we have the ability to do is, let's say, look at max. Again, this was the alteration that was established in the publication itself, where which from which we've derived the data. We can click on that alteration. And when we do, we will get a detailed list of information from the knowledge base itself. We'll have assessments with regards to actionability, 
pathogenicity. We'll have variant details. So this will have general information again with regards to chromosome position, the nucleotide variant, the protein variant, the activity itself, any annotation with things like dbSNP, um, allele fractions, general metrics, a little visualization of the effect on the protein, which exons are being affected by a given variant. There are additional pieces of information in this table, but the key thing to note here is that this information is restricted to Kyogen Clinical Insight Interpret Translational's counterpart, which is Kyogen Clinical Insight Interpret. So it's a little tricky of a uh, distinction between the two, but what we are looking at right now, again, is the translational tool, and this is meant more for exploratory analysis and discovery in a research type setting. The Kyogen Clinical Insight Interpret tool is more so geared towards reporting information. And so as such, there will be different criteria that will be available for visualization in that. Outside of this specific area then, again, have information with regards to somatic frequency. And as I kind of quickly scroll down, you'll see other pieces of information here like ClinVar and OMIM. And our, again, rarity in the population. So what is the frequency that we see in different repositories? as well as the reported functional impact through a number of different prediction tools. Again, CAD, Polyfen, SIFT, some of the common ones that I've used in the past. So really the goal of this information is to give you a comprehensive understanding of the variant. And also to essentially complement this is that I also have available here the button for view bibliography. What this will allow me to do is essentially now access the curated literature information that we have on this specific variant. So what this will do is interface with the knowledge base and pull out all the publication information that we have about this given variant that we have identified. So again, it's not just looking for publications tied to the MAX gene itself, but in particular, this specific variant of interest that we're identifying in our own data. And again, we have numerous publications here that we can filter and sort by different criteria. Um, here again, we have the ability to go down to that variant level annotation for the, the curated literature itself. So really by going into this literature, then we can build our understanding of the variant and again, decide you know, the, 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 uh, the how much of a priority one variant is relative to another. Now, the last thing I want to mention with the analysis of the data is obviously at some point you want to export your results likely. And so this is where we have a number of different options available. So what I will do is after I'm done, let's say reviewing this particular max mutation, I can return back to our variant list. And from here, we have a nice ability to use the download option to parse out our available information. So very simply, if I would click on the download button, if let's say I wanna export this table as a text file, what I have the ability to do is choose all the relevant information that I want to export in the table simply by checking these boxes or checking all of it. And again, this information will include just general gene annotation, variant annotation. It will include information with regards to 
prediction of functional effect, and then also third-party database information like frequency as well. So we can get that in a nice tabular output, or conversely, we can export as a BCF file that's been annotated. Lastly, if we want to dig deeper into the biological mechanisms related to how perhaps Max is influencing pheochromocytoma, we can actually take the gene list itself from this data, and we can actually export it into ingenuity pathway analysis itself, and, and again, look at a more global picture of how maybe some of these key genes might be interacting with each other, how they might work through intermediaries to ultimately influence our phenotype of interest. So again, there's a lot of different flexibility with regards to exporting the data itself. So that kind of summarizes how we would go through a simple process of analyzing tumor normal data within the software. What I want to also show everybody briefly before we, let's say, take a quick break for questions is how we set up the other type of analysis, the hereditary analysis. So what I'm going to do is, again, just to navigate, very simple, we can go back to our sample list. And again, let's say we have a scenario now where instead of having tumor normal samples, we have a situation where we have the proband, the affected child, and the mother and father. We can use this information to set up a hereditary analysis. Here, again, we've added a subject ID and, and we'll talk about how we can bring in that familial information as well when we set up the analysis. So again, what we would simply do here is to go into the option for creating an analysis, since we have our samples uploaded already. We would choose hereditary analysis. Again, I'll leave all these default for now. We'll say to select uploaded samples. And so again, I can go through the entirety of my sample list. I can move over the child, the father, and the mother. And importantly, when we are working with familial information, we can bring in a resource like a pen file. So for instance, for these samples, if I had information in a pen file, it would look something like this. I have a nice ability to upload this metadata as we call it, choose the pen, so I can def define the relationship between samples. And then from here, again, what I would simply do is walk through the next steps of the analysis. Uh, again, slightly different with regards to options compared to the somatic analysis, but again, we're looking for perhaps exonic variants or confidently detected variants. We can add diagnoses, what have you here. So once this is all done, just like with the somatic analysis, we will submit. And actually, I have this analysis on my different account. So again, we would go to our analysis results. And when we look at this analysis, again, it will look very similar for the hereditary analysis as compared to the somatic analysis. Again, our main working place will be this table of variants that we have here. And again, in this context as well, we have our filter settings and our view settings to help define the key variants. Now, in this scenario, one key difference is that we'll have slightly different reporting available for the variant. So here we have max, it's red for its pathogenicity assessment. What we'll also show here are these bars. And these bars are essentially going to relate to the samples that I have. So in this case, a solid bar 
would represent heterozygosity. A double bar for this would be homozygous for the variant. And for those that are homozygous wild type, we'd have just a single dash here. So in this case, if I have one or more programs, one or more controls, what I can assess is the, in this case, for the single program, what are hets, what are homozygotes, and for the controls for each control sample. Is it a wild type? Is it a het or a homozygous for the variant allele? Now, the other key difference with the hereditary analysis would again be reflected by the view settings themselves and ultimately kind of how we filter the samples down. So here I can do case and controls. We're looking at pathogenicity in this case. And again, I can reorganize the data in a number of different ways. But ultimately the results will be same. How you interact will be very similar as well. And so ultimately, again, what we've shown within the software is that we can go through a scenario where we potentially in a sample or a small cohort of samples or even a larger cohort of samples, start off with this case, 175,000 total variants. And through this familial analysis and utilizing these interactive filters, we've essentially filled down to a set of 12 variants that we could prioritize for further investigation. And again, we're doing all of this very quickly through an interactive interface that pulls on all the content in the Kaijin knowledge base. So with that, um, I think we can move on to our next topic. But before we do so, what I'd like to do is take a quick pause and open it up to any questions that we could answer live very briefly before we jump into HGMD. So Dev, were there any questions that have come up to this point? Yeah, there was one question that came up. So that was about like one of the software you kind of mentioned, mm -hmm. and that is CLC Genomics Workbench. So a uh, user had a question in terms of like, you know, how are these two things related like CLC Genomics Workbench and uh, QCIIT? And then for benefit for other users, you can just let them know like, you know, what CLC Genomics Workbench is as well uh, in case, you know, they are not familiar with it. Yes. So what we are looking at here is a tool for interpretation, but there's another aspect that we have to deal with typically before interpretation, which is a secondary analysis dealing with our raw sequencing information. And so this is where the CLC Genomics Workbench comes into play. So essentially, the CLC Genomics Workbench represents a pretty broad tool for handling the different types of NGS data. So epigenetics, RNA-seq, single cell RNA-seq, but importantly, it allows for analysis of DNA-seq experiments. Again, whether you're doing targeted sequencing, whole exome or whole genome sequencing. And so the Workbench represents a graphical tool um, that can be run locally or deployed on a server or cloud that essentially has the tools or, in fact, very nice pre-built workflows that allow you to go from raw sequencing data, FASTQ file, to a table of variants. And so really, it's that table of variants that you can generate in CLC that would then be parlayed into the QCI IT software for prioritization of the variants. Okay, the second question is about uh, database. So how frequently is this database updated? Yes. So again, for the curation efforts that we're doing for the literature and a couple other aspects, those are actually going to be updated on a weekly basis. 
when we talk about incorporation primarily of third-party database information, that is done more so on a quarterly basis. So again, the knowledge base as a whole is definitely not a static entity. As more information is captured, it's continually being updated. Okay. Uh, so what we'll do is like we'll take like one or two more questions and then we'll let Eric finish his presentation on um, HGMD and Cosmic, which I know many of you guys are uh, waiting for. Meanwhile, I'm launching this mid-meeting poll just to see like you know how useful are you finding the current information. So we would really appreciate your feedback. Uh, another question is, uh, excuse me, just let me open this up. So another question is uh, about. This, this user, I think this might be one of the users who used uh, IVA. So basically similarities and differences between uh, QCI and Ingenuity Variant Analysis, which is something we used to offer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, yeah, for, for those of you who have used IPA in the past, some of what I've shown may look somewhat familiar. And so Ingenuity Variant Analysis was, again, a research-based tool for variant prioritization uh, prior to QCIIT that we're looking at now. Um, in terms of differences, uh, Probably the main differences here are going to be the filtering settings. So these are uh, a, a restricted subset of what was available in IBA. Um, we are looking at potentially adding some additional filters over from IBA in the future. But right now, these are the more focal filters that our users really um, employed when they were working with their data. So a much more directed set of filters in QCIIT. In regards to kind of how information is depicted, again, I would say likely there's a, a richer set of information with QCIIT as well. And we have kind of information alluding to uh, actionability and pathogenicity that uh, were somewhat limited in IBA as well. So uh, I think potentially QCIIT represents a scenario where in certain ways we can dig a little deeper than we could do so within um, IBA. The other main difference is kind of looking at kind of uh, the gene relationships themselves. QCI or IBA had some integration with kind of simple networks, but here you have the nice ability to kind of move directly over to IPA if you have access and really dig deeply into how genes relate to other molecules upstream and downstream and how that all ties in to disease itself. Okay, I'm noting that there are a few more questions that are coming in. And again, what we'll do is we'll give Eric some time so he can go over uh, HCMD and Cosmic as well, which many of you guys are waiting for. And uh, we will answer the questions through Q&A box. So please continue submitting them and we'll take some more live uh, questions towards the end as well. So with that, passing it back to you, Eric. All right, thank you, Dev. Uh, all right, so that kind of concludes our section for QCIIT. And now what I wanted to talk about for the remainder of today's session is really gonna focus on scenarios where we are looking at actual databases that are curated, that are offered through Kaijin. And so the utility of these is a little different. We're not necessarily strictly restricted to bringing in VCF files and trying to prioritize variants in our samples. Rather here, we have the ability to explore kind of known mutations, as well as incorporate all this content potentially into uh, different internal applications that you might have. So the first one that we're gonna talk about today is the Human Gene Mutation Database, or HGMD. Um, really, this represents the best tool for answering the question, does this human germline mutation cause disease? And so how it's structured is very similar to the knowledge base. This reflects expert curated database of human germline mutations from peer reviewed published journals. 
So really it's a focus on the literature directly here. And again, the key point to make out is that this is for germline mutations, not somatic mutations. So really when we think about germline mutations, we can think about HGMD and as we'll talk about in a few minutes, when we think about somatic mutations here, we're thinking about um, cosmic. And so what I have on the plot here is just to kind of give you a sense for the scope of uh, kind of the content in the HGMD if we compare it to other popular variant databases like ClinVar or OMIM, the amount of variant information is much greater in HGMD relative to either of those two resources. So again, it's a really powerful repository of curated content. And in particular, our professional version, again, um, we're looking for germline mutations that potentially cause inherited disease. Again, this is a manual curation process that we go through. Just like with the knowledge base, there's a team of highly trained genetic experts, MD and PhD level scientists, going through the literature in a manual fashion. Now, for this database itself, it is actually updated in this context in a quarterly basis. And we're parsing information from over 2,000 journals uh, that, are, that are commonly used. This is also structured in a way that's somewhat unique in the fact that when a mutation is identified, essentially what will be annotated in the database is the first uh, example of the mutation and its associated pathological effect. So it's not going to capture every literature reference in the scenario where, let's say, the same mutation is observed for a pathological effect over and over again across multiple studies, but rather the first identification of that mutation. But what it will do is if there are additional studies that follow up and supplement the understanding of the first pathological effect, that that will, again, be incorporated into the database. Now, really, we've talked about manual curation uh, with the knowledge base um, and just mentioned it now with HGMD. It's also a part of Cosmic as well. So really, when we think about kind of manual curation and its true value is the fact that really what it's able to provide is highly accurate data. So if we were to compare manual curation to machine learning or artificial intelligence, one thing that we're gonna see is likely those automated tools can get information a lot quicker, right? Um, they don't have an individual kind of taking the time to go through the content itself. But ultimately, I think that's where the power of these tools ends, at least currently, because when we then start looking at the information itself that's being captured, the quality of the data, the noise in the data, errors that we can identify in the literature itself, kind of the handling of interpretation of the information itself is all done in a much superior way through the manual curation process. So really that is why for this information that we're presenting today, we really have a focus on the manual curation. It adds uh, a level of quality that isn't yet achievable through automated approaches. And this slide really just illustrates that very briefly. Um, so, you know, we can think about automated approaches in different ways. So, you know, one way might be to think about using images, right, and machine learning or AI to kind of differentiate and identify what a picture is. And so uh, this example is a little bit fun, but basically here what we have is a scenario where we might try to identify a dog. And so we might train the tool with a number of pictures of different dogs that look somewhat familiar. Maybe it's a certain breed, a chihuahua, what have you. 
then when we apply the tool, the challenges, right, we're just going directly on kind of the aspects of these images used for training. And so if perhaps these images of the dog look very similar to a muffin in this case, what the tool might do is ultimately incorrectly parse out information um, and pictures that tie into muffins and not dogs, which is our true intention. So this just represents how, again, these tools have a lot of power, but again, the quality of the data is ultimately dependent on the quality of the training of the tools themselves. And uh, also there's no contextual understanding to the information that it's looking at. And so this is perhaps better um, kind of depicted by, let's say going through an actual publication itself, where perhaps a tool is going through trying to pull out annotation for the processing of a certain sample they found variant information for, and let's say they find kind of this information here. So four month control for CM. So this actual sample type might be mistakenly looked at by let's say an algorithm and say C4M is actually a protein alteration. In fact, it's referring to the nature of the sample itself. So this is, again, just an illustration of having an expert curator actually read the article itself and understand the context. We can get more accurate information in these databases themselves. So when we talk about HGMD, it's very widely used. Now, I think this number's a little old, but at least when, when this was generated, there were nearly 16,000 publications that referenced the database. And in terms of how the database was used, there are very simple aspects like looking up variants, looking up genes, but also maybe other more complex usage cases like using it to define panels for testing, or perhaps um, improving machine learning models, doing larger scale population-based sequencing, what have you. So again, you know, we're gonna illustrate a use today where we're just doing some queries on a given gene or variant of interest, but again, the broader scope of the usage is, is, is there as well for other applications. And to support that, really, there, there are two main ways in which we can access the data. The first being the online interface. I'm going to do a brief demo of this today, where we can query for genes or mutations or phenotypes of interest. Then also, the HGMD database is available for a download. And so there are multiple files here, tabular files, SQL files, and even simply for annotating your variant data BCF files as well. So we saw earlier that some of the HGMD information is actually integrated into Hygen Clinical Insights, both the translational tool, which we looked at, and the uh, reporting tool, Hygen Clinical Insights Interpret, which we did not directly look at today. So to illustrate the usage of simply querying the HGMD database, what I have here is kind of a slide, and we're going to use this example very briefly to look at the web portal. But we can think about maybe exploring variant information for a disease like cystic fibrosis. And when we think about trying to understand the variants associated with that disease, we could go through this long process of, of literature exploration where we go into PubMed, we perhaps find thousands of articles on the disease. And by the time we kind of pull out the, let's say 1,300 or so mutations associated with cystic fibrosis, we've actually spent hundreds of hours actually reading through different parts of the literature. Conversely, we can rely on the curation efforts that we have to generate this database and very simply go onto the web portal, do a query for the phenotype itself, maybe certain genes of interest, and in a couple of minutes, 
we can actually pull out that same set of mutations. So the time savings here is massive to rely on the curation efforts that we utilize to construct this database. Now, when we talk about what we can answer by simply querying the HGMD database, again, there are a couple different ways in which we can do query. We can query based on a gene. So again, if we look at cystic fibrosis, we might wanna ask how many mutations are described in the CFTR gene? Are they known to cause cystic fibrosis or are they related to other phenotypes perhaps? We can actually search based on a mutation itself. So if we've, let's say, identified a mutation in our own data, we can ask, uh, is this mutation, has it been observed before? Is it included in HGMD? Is it novel? We can search based on the phenotype itself to understand what genes actually have mutations that have been reported to be altered in cystic fibrosis. And then there's some more advanced searches we can do as well. So really all of these different questions, again, if we're just talking about these simple querying approach can be done through the web portal itself. And so what I'm gonna do is jump into this web portal for a few minutes and just show you one or two queries and how we can run that and get the associated information. But here, for example, we can search for the CFTR gene and we can get detailed information with regards to the mutation spectrum found within that gene itself. So let's go ahead and take a look at how we do so. What I will do is hopefully I will have the correct page and my account is logged in. So again, for HDMD, there is through our Kaijin web portal, the data download, also link to the online professional version. So I'm simply going to open that up. That's going to bring us to our main page. And the nice thing about the main page is that it does have kind of a summary of the total number of entries we have for the different types of data, different types of mutations that are captured here. So again, uh, a massive amount available. And again, remember these entries are related to either the first instance of that mutation with an effect on a particular phenotype or conversely any supplementary studies that actually add to existing knowledge, not that replicate existing knowledge. So really how we interact with this portal is simply by going to these header sections here. So uh, for today, we can look at a couple, we can look at a query for a gene, for a mutation, and for a phenotype. And very simply what I can do here, is I can start off by clicking on gene. Now I can choose what I want to use for my query. Again, we'll have a different uh, types of terms that we can use, but probably the simplest way to do the query is just to use the gene symbol if you have it. So let's say I want to query for, again, the CFTR gene with relation to cystic fibrosis. I'll simply put the gene, say submit query. And what this is going to do is essentially bring me to the gene information page where Again, really a table of annotation of known information at the top here. We have our general gene information, some links to the cDNA sequence. Then have kind of counts for number of mutations that have been observed based on mutation type. And we have links to get at that information through a click. Or instead of looking at mutation type, we can look at the class of variant. Is it damaging, possibly damaging? Uh, functional polymorphism, what have you. 
we can also look at this gene again in the context of a specific phenotype. What CFTR mutations are known to be related to cystic fibrosis? So here we can look based on phenotype ID. So there are different ways to parlay into the relevant information of interest for a given gene. And as we scroll down, again, just general information, gene ontology, giving you a better understanding of the gene. And on the right-hand side here, a couple external links. Again, if we just want to learn more about the gene itself. So what I might do in this context is that if, let's say, I wanted to look at some of the missense mutations in um, CTFR, CFTR, I should say, I can simply click Get Missense Nonsense. And this will take me to a page now where I have, again, my different types of mutations. These are all the missense. I can toggle between the other classes or types of mutations. And then for each mutation that's listed here, we'll have an accession for the mutation itself, codon and amino acid change, the HGBS nomenclature, the variant class, reported phenotype. And importantly here, links to the references. Again, the first reported instance and any potentially supplemental information. So here, this first article might be the first identification. The second one might add to our understanding an additional report. And again, for any of these variants now that are of interest, we can simply click on, let's say the accession. So I'll take this top hit. It relates to cystic fibrosis. And ultimately what this will do is bring me to the variant page directly. So in this context, again, the key aspect of kind of the curation links to the associated literature, the nature of the citation. Then we'll start adding general annotation about the variant itself at the top here. And then as we would scroll down further through this page, more detailed information. So, drawing, amino acid comparisons, uh, predictions here, very similar to what we saw in QCIIT, polypen sift, uh, CAD to name a few, frequency in things like a thousand genomes or other repositories, and also orthologous amino acids. So again, we can kind of go through this detailed set of information with regards to the variant and again, focus in on any section of interest. So that might represent a mechanism in which we can start off with a gene like CFTR. We can go through this process of looking for how many variations there are, what type of variation are we interested in, and then drill down and get to specific variant pages. The other alternative would be to perhaps either do a search based on the mutation itself or the phenotype. And again, for either of these, what we would simply do is here we could put in different types of information. So there'll be a breakdown of what's accepted, BSNP, uh, HMID accession, HGBS nomenclature, chromosomal coordinates, what have you. For phenotype, again, here we could do a search or we could look alphabetically for a certain phenotype. And again, I won't show all of this, I'll link to related pages, um, which will either link you to genes or ultimately to your variant sets of interest. So. You can see here how kind of just using this simple query, starting off with the gene, like we did in this example, we can quickly drill down to get at the relevant mutations in the CFTR gene for cystic fibrosis relatively quickly. So 
this is one use case of HGMD. And again, there is a download available. So um, in that context, again, tabular data, BCF information, uh, MySQL database information, that's available to incorporate how you best see fit, whether it be simply annotating variants or perhaps incorporating into some internal, internal tool or, or prediction algorithm, let's say. So with that, what I want to do is jump to our final topic for today, which is cosmic. So let me pull that up. And again, you know, there, there's a nice uh, synergy between HGMD and cosmic, where HGMD is focusing on germline variants for inherited diseases. Cosmic is trying to essentially capture the spectrum of different mutational information for cancers. And when we think about this, there are thousands, tens of thousands of studies on cancer. There's lots of variant information, whether they be from targeted studies or higher throughput profiling studies like exome or genome sequencing. And so if you just try to kind of get some context for the somatic alterations, there's just so much information to go through that it's really an untenable challenge. So this is where Cosmic comes into play. And again, much like HGMD and the knowledge base itself, this focused effort of curation and organization really drives the ability to help build an understanding of the disease, identify therapeutic options, look at the known data for a given variant or a given gene, and potentially even find new therapeutic opportunities. So that's what Cosmic is and why we use it. And when we talk about it more globally, really the database itself and the curation process reflects uh, a dual effort, one being of manual curation, where again, we have trained scientists, experts in certain subject matter, going through the literature, manually curating the relevant mutation information. There is also in conjunction with this, actually a semi-automated approach. So if we think about some of the larger scale screening studies that are out there, whole genome, whole exome sequencing studies, that's not necessarily something that's easy to manually curate but through kind of a process of using tools to parse out relevant information and then have manual review, uh, we can incorporate that wealth of knowledge into the database as well. So with all this curation effort, in addition to taking in the appropriate resources to help standardize the data along the way, another critical aspect, all that allows us to essentially get to the content for Cosmic that we have in the formalized database. So when we talk about cosmic content in general, um, I apologize, the slide is actually for the previous release. There was uh, a new release uh, issued right at the end of March, and unfortunately I haven't gotten the updated statistics yet. But essentially this gives you, I think, hopefully a pretty good idea um, in terms of kind of what's available in cosmic. So when we talk about genome-wide coverage, uh, there are over 38,000 tumor samples that are included incorporated into the database. Here, there's a focus on the cancer census genes, as they're called, right? The, the, the genes that have the most impact on cancer. So in particular for the manual curation, these genes are a key focus. There's also information relating to fusion information. And there are also all types of cancer captures. So not just the common forms of cancer, but any type of cancer can be captured. So there's a broad spectrum of different cancer-related phenotypes available in the database. And so here in terms of samples, almost a half a, one and a half million samples, nearly 30,000 publications and different types of information, obviously importantly, variant information, 
and fusion information, but then also copy number from certain repositories, expression data, methylation data, uh, so on and so forth. So over 71 million variants, and again, this number is likely a, a bit larger with the latest release, uh, but a massive wealth again of information. So one of the main focuses of the curation process when working with Casmic is that the cancer gene census really drives the curation. And in particular here, again, we're, we're talking about the scenario where we're going through a manual curation. So oftentimes it's prohibitive to just try to capture information on any gene. Rather, we can focus on the genes that we know have a strong published evidence of causing cancer itself. So the total spectrum of genes that are really within the census are 723. And again, um, within that, there's a, a set of focus genes in particular, 285 and growing, that really tie in directly to the 10 hallmarks of cancer. So really, this is going to drive some of the curation efforts, these gene lists themselves, and what genes are most critical to gaining an understanding of cancer itself. Now, in the curation efforts come in a couple different aspects. Again, there's manual curation. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little more detail in a second. There's also the curation of larger data sets themselves, the whole genome, the whole exome sequencing. But then there's also curation tied into other ancillary information, things like processing and making available the TCGA data, cell line information from the Welcome Sanger Institute, and other focus projects. We'll, we'll talk about one in particular that focuses on actionability of variants that are being incorporated as well to supplement just the variant information itself. So and one of the primary aspects of the COSMIC database is the manual curation effort. And so there are two primary or so two primary ways in which we capture information. The one is a direct focus on the 256 cancer genes. There is literature curation done fully or selectively for these. These are all kind of tier one in the cancer census, right? These have the most information. As I said, there are kind of secondary tiers that capture that full set of 700 or so genes. Uh, but many of these other genes outside of those 256 are fusion portlers, partners are not independently recognized as cancer genes, what have you. So again, there's gonna be a focus with regards to gene content with the manual curation, but it does look across all cancers. It's not restrictive to common cancer types. So it will include rare cancers and the available information. If there are studies that include non-cancerous tissue from relevant individuals, that will also be captured as well. And again, the focus here is going to be on published and peer-reviewed literature as a resource. So no other database information. It's the manual curation of these literature findings that is really providing a lot of power to the database. These must have somatic mutations tested and a cancer site. So we need essentially what we call clinical information for the sample. The site is the primary information, but we also will capture additional clinical metadata for the sample to give you a better understanding of if we see a mutation, what is the nature of the samples in which it was observed. Now, just like I've showed you previously with the knowledge base in HGMD, again, the value here of manual curation is that really it allows you to get accurate and detailed contextual information. So in, let's say, a case study description where a particular variant is identified, all the characteristics of this case individual can be parsed out 
by the curators. They can accurately understand this information. And this information can also ultimately be captured as details within the database associated with a particular sample that shows a given variant or set of variants. So not every sample will have data, but when they do, this information will be captured. Now, the converse to the manual curation for Cosmic is the more systematic approach. And again, this is going to be applicable to whole exome, whole genome sequencing studies, where again, it's, it's really prohibitive to try to manually go through hundreds of thousands of variants for a given study of interest. So really with here, the goal is to download the data itself, use some analytical tools to help standardize the input format, do some standardized annotation of in, the information, and then also kind of have some review manually and do some internal annotations such that this content can be moved over into the Cosmic database as a whole. And again, this would include not only just dealing with the omic data, the mutation information itself, but also again, that capturing of the sample level information that we just saw in the last slide. Now with this, we can kind of get a sense for the fact of just kind of the wealth of information that's available when we do these larger scale, scale screening studies. So in the context of some of the targeted studies that have curated, 27,000 plus publications have been curated, 1.5 million samples, right? That reports over 2 million variants. But now as we transition over into the more genome-wide based studies, it's a much smaller number of publications that is growing. When we think about the amount of information that is captured in those studies, we can see we can actually capture a much larger set of variants from here. But overall, these two are integrated into the Cosmic database as a whole, and they provide a nice complement to each other. The last thing I'm showing here is very simply kind of just the details of the systematic curation process from exome or genome and genome, whole genome sequencing studies, where essentially, you know, the data itself is transformed into an input CSV file. And with that, there's processing steps, different tools like annotation, effect prediction, uh, standardization that happens to the data. And ultimately that gives us an annotated output that we can then incorporate into the database. And again, uh, phenotypes are a key area that sample level metadata that's also being captured is critical to help interpret the information contained. Now, outside of kind of the curation of mutation information overall, there are some focus projects also associated with Cosmic. And one exciting one that just was included in the most recent release is the actionability study. And so really here, you know, we can think of this as, you know, different drugs are prescribed for intervention of certain genetic disorders, certain mutation statuses. So really, we're trying to capture the information known, what mutations are actionable, um, and, and help provide better understanding of, of therapeutic intervention. So for this particular project, there's curation on clinical trials records, uh, the FDA, company websites, of course, literature and journal articles. And, and really, you know, why this is helpful is, you know, there may be other actionability databases out there, but with Cosmic, the goal of this particular base uh, database and focus project is to strive to make it simple. The categories are unambiguous, so it's easy to understand. We're going to focus on having regular updates to the content, so there's new information continually going on. Again, there's going to be consistency, just like with the other curation efforts and accuracy associated with this. 
There's also going to be the relevance that this information is going to focus on human clinical treatment data and uh, potentially predictive information, details on drugs succeeding in uh, the development pipeline as well. So this is some exciting aspect, and again, it represents a focus project that supplements the variant information contained directly in the Cosmic database, and it's available for download as well. In addition to that, another nice focus project is the cell line project here. We're using the cell line data from the Welcome Sanger Institute, and so this represents cell lines uh, from uh, over a thousand different cell lines. There's full exome sequencing data for those cell lines, copy number and gene expression information, uh, mutant gene transcripts, and uh, mutations across multiple types of genes and transcripts. So a massive wealth of just cell line information. There's utility here and potentially utilizing this information to define what cell lines might be a reasonable in vitro model for further studies downstream as well. So again, just a quick overview of this, but really to highlight that COSMIC is not just the capturing of the variants in literature and uh, whole genome or whole exome sequencing information. There are also these focused projects as well to help supplement your understanding. So when we talk about the COSMIC content overall, multiple types of information for download, individual sample data information. So again, a structured, organized set of phenotypic and clinical information for the samples when available to help you understand the context of the mutations. The annotations that we use to describe the mutations. The mutations themselves. The VCF file, so much of this information is tabular in nature, but we can also have the VCF information as well. And then again, the focus projects like the actionability and the cell line information that I just showed. And for either, again, very simply through the Kyogen account, you can log on, download the appropriate content that's relevant, whether it be, again, the tabular information or let's say the BCF files. Now, when we talk about usages of this information, really here, we can use the BCF information, let's say for annotating exome, uh, whole genome or CFDNA results. Um, so are these mutations reported in COSMIC? What's their frequency? Do they have a functional impact? And then with perhaps some of the tabular information, you can explore genes and mutations within and across cancers. So this can be discovering and validating biomarkers, target validation, selecting cell line models, as we mentioned, limiting off-target effects for CRISPR screens, drug safety assays, and perhaps what other applications you yourself can think of. But in terms of usage of this download information, again, two primary ways, incorporation and exploration. Uh, and so here represents a scenario where we could do a detailed workup across EGFR mutations, across cancers, or within lung cancer, we can look at the nature of the mutations and generate the associated plots that may be informative uh, to our internal team. Conversely, what I've done here is tied to an earlier question, utilize the CLC genomics workbench and a variant calling pipeline. And I've actually taken now the VCF file from the Cosmic download. And within the tumor sample that I analyzed, I've defined a set of variants. And now for those variants, I can actually use the Cosmic VCF file to annotate to what are the previously observed mutations. And then use that as a step to get further detail on each of these, are any of these relevant? Can I use this to help with prioritization? So Cosmic as a whole, is gonna focus on somatic mutations, and it's really a rich resource of curated literature information with regards to targeted studies, 
whole genome, whole exome screens, and that wealth of information is available to you in a variety of different contexts to meet your needs. So with that, what I'd like to do is just summarize what we've talked about today. We've talked about Kaijin Clinical Insights Interpret, translational, really a tool to take in sample level variant information in the form of BCF files, utilize information in the Kaijin knowledge base, which includes HGMD and cosmic information and curated literature, as well as other information to really help drill down to find what variants are actionable, how to prioritize those variants in your samples. We saw how it was simple and easy to bring in the data and also how the analysis is interactive and flexible so we can really key in on what types of variants we're looking for. We then talked about HGMD where this is an expert curated database of human germline mutations from peer review literature. That HGMD content, we didn't talk about the download much, but other than the fact that it's available for integration with your pipelines or tools that you might have internally, but we did show very briefly the online interface for quickly querying variant content and in a matter of minutes, understand the spectrum of mutations in the CFTRG. Lastly, we talked about Cosmic, how it's a comprehensive catalog of somatic variants within cancer for both targeted and high throughput studies. We talked a little bit about the actionability of the cell line projects, these focus projects that give us more than just uh, the mutation information, have a more directed uh, set of content and lastly, we just mentioned how there are different downloads available, tabular BCF downloads that allow you to incorporate this database to meet your needs.